Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Liam, good morning, Lyle. How are you this morning? Yeah, I'm amazing this morning. Uh, God is good. God is ruling. There is bright sunshine outside and the day is Absolutely. going to warm up. Absolutely. What are you thinking for this morning? Gas. 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 Oh, what type of gas? Natural gas. Natural gas. Natural gas that comes in a pipe off the street into my home and keeps it warm during these cold days. Absolutely. 100%. I'm super sad I don't have a wood fire. It is a little bit disappointing. This is the first time I've lived without a wood fire. Oh, yeah. Of any extended period of time and... Sad, very, very sad about that. But anyway, for the time being, it's going to be gas. And without that, we would be struggling right that's now. That's it. That's it. Yeah. What are you thankful for? Uh, this morning, I'm thankful for hard work that pays off. Okay. Um, every Sunday, I go for a 10K run. And for the first time yesterday, I ran under one hour. So I did 10 kilometers in 57 minutes and eight seconds. Nice. And I knocked five minutes off my personal best. So I was quite impressed with that. Okay, so what's I, your next goal? I made one slight tweak and it made the all, all the difference. Uh, my next goal, I think I might extend the distance. Oh, okay. So rather than shortening the time, extend the yeah, distance. Yeah, maybe go for, for 11 or 12 Ks next. So do 11 Ks under an hour. Yeah. So I'll keep working on this hour thing, on this 10K, trying to make yep. that more consistent. Yeah, make that consistent. Um, and then after that... Once you've got that mastered. Yeah. So how long does it take to... How long does it take to run, to, for to run one kilometre? takes me... Uh, I've got an app that tells me, but from memory, it's just it's five and a half minutes, roughly. Okay. So the 11, the 11K under an hour, that sounds like an I achievable need, I goal. I need to get the, it down to five minutes, yep. 5K minutes. So... Yep. A little bit of work, but we can get there. We can get there. Absolutely. Sounds like a a great goal to have. Always good to have goals. This is a reminder. You're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. And coming up in today's news, we're going to look at, we've had some very, very, very slight easing of restrictions here in New South Wales. Some other states have eased considerably over the weekend, which has been good to see. And it looks like Australia might be heading towards, you know, getting off easier than other countries. How are we going to continue from here? trouble at bay when the world seems full of chaos and dismay i run to you you're my savior all my grace cause i run to you in all my desperation i run to you when there seems no other way
back that was run by the teachers we've come time for our first clue for our quiz this morning are you ready for this lyle born ready born ready okay so this is a what book am i and so here we go clue number one part of my first verse reads she who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave so which book begins with that verse i am not ready oh Oh. I've gone from being born ready to not ready just like that. Oh. She who was born a queen. Among the provinces has now become a slave. That is part of the first verse of this book. So I, I th- know what region it comes from. You know which part? I do. I do know what region it comes from. I have no idea which book it is. But we'll be super keen to find out. Absolutely. So we'll wait for more clues as we work our way through. Uh, however, we have to move on with our show this morning. Before we do, just a quick uh, reminder to you all. Uh, every Saturday morning between 9.30 and 10.30, right here on Faith FM, 
small group interactive Bible study, which will continue during the pandemic. So whatever the pandemic is on, we'll be here studying the Bible as in a small group with you. Please do call up and have your say and be a part of the discussion part of the show uh, as that takes place, I did forget That's to Matt mention. Myself. I did forget to mention the uh, the prize for this morning, and it's quite oh, relevant. The prize, the the prize, prize for this morning is uh, it is the incredible power of prayer by Roger Mornow. Mornow, yeah. And I, the reason why I mentioned the prayer is because I the story I've got for you this morning is actually a little bit of a personal testimony of mine. And I just uh, the past couple of months for me, it's just been really, really incredible. And the, I've, I've seen sort of God use his hand and, and really carry me through the last couple of months really, really powerfully. So I'll take you back to the beginning of the year. I was working in the tourism industry, in whitewater rafting, and I was also working in the outdoor education industry, working in an outdoor education camp for school kids. And um, I, I wasn't really working a lot. Like, the job was good. In regards to the type of work it was, yeah, people go into outdoor rec for the passion, not for, <laughs> not for the money. Uh, but yeah, so you know, they were, they were great people, but I just wasn't really working a lot of hours, and so I was like, you know what, I need to, I, I need to try and uh, do something else. I need to branch out and do something else. And uh, the, the prior year, I'd done an internship with a radio company, and I thought, you know, what, I'm going to give this a shot again. So I found that there was a job going somewhere uh, in a place called New South Newcastle which is right here, and uh, at, at the Adventist Faith FM radio station. And I was like, I, I prayed about it, and I, I thought to myself, you know what, God, if, if this is for me, then you're going to make this happen. And um, I had a very good feeling about it, but, I, I, you know, I don't like to, to know that things are going to happen before they happen because I feel like that doesn't respect uh, not only God and His plan, but also the people that I'm, I'm going to be working with, you know. If I assume that I've already got this job, I, I, I consider it to be a bit disrespectful to, to those people. So I just thought to myself, you know what, we'll just we'll just roll with this. We'll see how it goes. I think I, I think it's 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 a good chance that I could get it, but I don't know. And I continued to pray, and I continued to not get an answer. And then one day, in about uh, I think it was mid February, I got an answer, and I'd been offered the job uh, as co-host right here on Faith FM, and I was over the moon. And, you know, you might think that, you know, that's where the testimony ends. Well, no, it continues. It continues. you'd be out of a job if you were still an outdoor rack. I would be. Um, so, yeah, so I, I moved down and I, I did the big drive. And two weeks, actually, after I arrived, after, after I arrived here and I'd, I'd started working, the old place that I was working at, it, in, 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 uh, due to coronavirus, it shut down. How long before that will open back up, do you think? Um uh, in regards to the tourism industry, that probably and and regard and also in regards to the location for where it is for whitewater rafting in the tropics, it probably whitewater rafting probably won't open up for until the end closer towards the end of the year until the the wet season sort of wet picks season, up again. Yeah, because you've, you've missed the wet season now because yeah. of the virus and you'll have to wait for the next wet season. However, the, the job that the pl- particular place that I was at, I I don't know if they are going to open up again. So they could just. Go completely belly up. Yeah, they could. They um, a tragedy. They were sort of month by month and then week by week pay sort of a thing. Was this a Christian kind of an organisation or just an outdoor rec? 
Uh, uh, no, it was just an outdoor rec yep. sort of a thing. Um, yep. I, I did try and bring my own faith and spiritual side into things to sure. try and uh, help. But a lot of camps are run by Christian organisations yeah. and some of them aren't. I was just, yeah. No, this one was a, it was a private one run by a, a, a lovely dude. His name was Alan and he was a top bloke. He still is a top bloke. Um, and a couple of the, the, the things in Alan's lifestyle I might not agree with. Sure, but that's because you're a Christian and he's yeah, not. Yeah, exactly. No, like, that's just part of the course. Um, but one thing I was also blessed is that his brother was an Adventist. Oh, really? So he was very, you know, understanding had, of... Had a Christian brother. Yeah, so he was very... Underst- although he may not have uh, believed that and, and that might have not have been his beliefs, I was very blessed to have someone that understood my beliefs sure. um, when I was working there. Um, so I, I, I loved it there. I genuinely did love it, genuinely did love working there. How many people have been put out of work by that business collapsing? Um, I think 10. In that one business? In the one business. Yeah, there's a story that's been told right across Australia right now. Yeah. Our hearts really have to go out to people like that because that's um, a very challenging... The tourism industry and you know outdoor rec is fairly close. I guess outdoor rec is, is part of the tourist industry, isn't it? it absolutely, 100%. Yeah. If, if there weren't people doing this tourism industry, yeah. um, they wouldn't be getting the qualifications to do the stuff that they do. Yep. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very blessed that I did get to the opportunity to do outdoor rec at, at the wonderful Avondale College, uh, University College, rather. When I did it, it was... It was still uh, Avondale College. So when you were you do when you were doing whitewater rafting, what was the highest grade rapids you ever went down? The highest grade rapid I ever did was a uh, grade four. Grade four, that's um, decent. Yeah, that was sort of and and it sort of varied between what time of year it was for the particular sure. area. Yeah. Uh, but for the area that we were in, it, it typically stayed at uh, the highest it went was four up up. up Further upstream of where we were, it got to level five. You never did that one? I never did that one. That one was too dangerous for the boats that we used. We used two-man boats, um, whereas that one was more suited to the, to the big eight-man boats. Um, so that, they were very exciting going in those. I didn't ever... Did they t- take tourists over the five, grade five one? Um, sometimes. Right. Sometimes. That, we had the, uh, the, the Whitewood Rafting World Championships there last year and they were right in the thick of it sure um, you know these, but these guys are professionals they do it for a living yep and um, it was I, I didn't do that I, I it was just before I started working there but I heard all about it and I, I sort of started working oh man I bet you that. were just like let me on I one did. of those boats oh, <laughs> I a, did give me a free spot <laughs> but uh, I, when I first started working I <laughs> I was very rusty um, one of the things that you're always embarrassed as as, a, as an outdoor wreck person is, is when you fail um and and especially in in whitewater rafting, it's it's uh, the fails that you do. They are they they can be quite significant, quite severe, and quite uh, important when you fail. Mm. However, it, it is also something where you could you know just fall out of the boat and jump back in, and you know your ride is rained. And I qu- fell out of the boat quite a lot when I first started. <laughs> and there was one particular spot in the river, and it got me every time, and it really grinded my gears. But um. But yeah, I got there eventually. So, so you, if you're if you're doing two man boats, that means you're with you as a guide and one tourist. Is that how, kind of how it went? Yeah, either what, me and a tourist or me on my own. Okay. Um, to, uh, the tourists look, were, out, look after the tourists. Yeah, going down there. They they were allowed to go on their own, and that was once something that we promoted. You know, yep. when you're in the big boat, there is a guide. There has to be a guide with you with eight other people. Yep. And but when you're on the boat, you do have the opportunity to be in control of your own vessel. Um, and it, it's it's fun going, doing it on your own. You yeah, can, absolutely. You, you control I, I, your destiny, and that way, if you fall out, 
it's it still is our responsibility, but it's it's less our responsibility because <laughs> we're not we're not yeah. driving the boat. <laughs> if I ever go to uh, North Queensland, Liam, I'm going to have to get you to hook me up. Oh, absolutely. I do enjoy whitewater rafting, although I treat it with a massive amount of respect. Tell me, have you ever done uh, like whitewater kayaking and that kind of? I thing? have indeed. Uh, that which was, do you prefer? I I prefer the kayaking because it's it's a lot more compact. And you st- you stay a lot more dry uh, because you've got the you know the the spray deck on top of you enclosed in, and um, if you fall over, you can get back up without pulling out. If you're good enough, if you're good enough, you can you can roll yourself back up upright. Um, it takes a lot of practice to do that. It took me a couple of months to be able to do that. But once you get it, it's 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 fantastic. But um, I, you personally, I prefer the the kayaking. Mm-hmm. It's uh, they look a lot more nimble. They are oh absolutely. They can they can squeeze into little cracks that the boats can't can't squeeze into. So, yeah, but, fun times. Um, but yeah, you know, that's just a little bit of uh, of what's happened to me over the last couple of months, and I thought I'd, I'd like to share that this morning. And it's yeah, it's always empowering to hear the stories like this. And um, you know, if you've got stories, we'd love to hear them too. Give us a call at one 843 and and we'll get back to you. I'm gonna trade my earthly home for a better one, bright and fair. Christ left to prepare a mansion for his children in the air. I'll join him in that land where tears nor sorrows can be found. And I'll receive my mansion, robe and crown. Mansion, robe and crown. Sunshine day and night No cold nor rain will fall there For the sun shines ever bright I'll need no heavy garments I'll just wrap my robe around When I'll receive my mansion Robe and crown Mansion Robe and crown Bowed and bloody from the work I've tried to do But one day I'll be rewarded With a crown so bright and new I'll wear a smile so bright For there'll be no cause for a frown And I'll receive my mansion Robe and crown Mansion Robe and a crown That was Keith Lancaster and Rodney Britt with Mansion, Robe and Crown. We're up to the second clue for our quiz this morning. Let's have it. Lyle still hasn't quite got it yet. No, I don't have this one. So, clue number two. This is another quote from the book. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. 
trying to put Which the, I'm just trying to translate in, that into KJV so I can figure <laughs> out what it is. But anyway, yep, no idea. If you know the answer, uh, there's double prize coming your way. It beeth good to waiteth quietly. For thou salvation in thine Lord. <laughs> that was a terrible King James version. Okay, uh, and again, uh, the, the, uh, just quickly, the the the, um, the prize that we're giving away this morning is Roger Moore now with the incredible power of prayer. So, if you know the answer, give us a call at one eight hundred three two four eight four three. That's one eight hundred Faith FM. You can send us a text at zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Okay, so of course everybody's asking at the moment when a church is going to reopen, uh, and of course that was kind of I guess predictable as soon as. We went from the one-person rule to the two-person rule. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am amongst you. And so now churches are reopened again because wherever there's two people, there is a church. Again, I remember when it first started, a, a, a meme that I saw that I thought was hilarious was where two or three people are gathered, but no more than ten. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was that was back in the old ten person rule. That's it, which lasted for what a week. Uh, about that, a week. Yeah, yeah, a week or before two before we went down to the one person rule. Okay, so people are asking how it will will take place, and we in uh, some countries where churches are beginning to reopen, some states where they're beginning to reopen, we're kind of seeing how this is taking place. So in Tennessee, for instance, they have begun by opening up small groups. Um, and they will move then to socially distanced services. So socially distanced services where you can actually go into the church building, you still have to sit uh, a couple of metres apart from each other, so there's got to be a lot of space in the congregation, and everybody has to wear a mask and gel their hands, all that kind of stuff. You had a story last week where there was a fellow that um, had church in the cars and yeah, he got popular, in trouble for that very popular right across the united states yeah is that think. something that you think is going to continue to pick up i think so yes uh particularly in the u.s it doesn't seem to be an australian phenomena yeah a lot of churches in australia don't have those big car parks that can make yeah. that possible yeah and we also have different legislation as far as the use of uh um, low power radio yep um and so that also makes it very challenging as well and so you can't just sort of rock up, set up a low-power transmitter and start transmitting to your car park. You have to have a license for that. And so it can get a little bit more complicated. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch how it takes place. It's interesting that churches are opening up in America before they are in Australia. But, yeah, businesses, of course, are opening up before churches. And the reason for that, because some people are saying, oh, this is really just discrimination. No, most businesses don't have the large groups of people congregating together and sitting in close company to each other for extended periods of time. That's right. If there were churches that were, you know, smaller in, yeah. in size, then they'd have the same, they'd have the same opportunity as that. Yeah. So you, if you think about, uh, for instance, you know, your supermarket, certainly you'll find the same number of people in a supermarket as you might find in a church, but you are just briefly passing somebody at the correct social distance rather than sitting beside them for a couple of hours. Yes. There's a significant difference there. Okay, so that's something that's going to be taking place. Um, of course, today, it's interesting to look at this uh, religion. You know, it's the uh, World Jedi Day today, May the 4th. May the 4th. Uh, Star Wars become, Day, not Jedi Day. Yeah, Star Wars Day, sorry. Uh, but the Jedi religion has become quite significant. 
around the world. In fact, in the UK, it is now the fourth largest religion. I remember when I first discovered that this was actually a religion. and it it, in 2011. It quite shocked me. It, it, and I, I think at the time I, I did a little bit of a search for other crazy religions and there was another one that um, where, where part of the religion is to wear a spaghetti strainer on top of your head. Yes, Church of the uh, Flying Spaghetti Monster. That's <laughs> it's, that one is, a, is, is not a serious religion, whereas Jedism has... It, it sort of began in a similar way to... Well, Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster was an attack on religion. Yes. Jedism never began as an attack on religion, but it did come out of, obviously, the uh, Star Wars um, series, which is, you know, purely fictional and a very, you know, modern-day event. And so some people sort of started to see the philosophy that it contained, and they're like, well, let's make a religion out of this. It it did begin somewhat as a humorous thing in 2011, where you had the 2011 uh, Jedi uh, census movement, and of course, right here in Australia, there were seventy thousand people that year who put their names down and put their religion down as being Jedi, and that has since, since dropped to forty-eight thousand in Australia, which is a fairly significant drop. Um, and what it shows is a decrease in the number of people who are making a joke about it, and uh, at the same time, an increase in the seriousness of the people who do actually ascribe to that particular religion. But it's interesting to see, you know, new religious phenomena and how they're created. You know, if, if history was to last for another 2,000 years, one would wonder, you know, you look back at the origin of this religion and say, well, that was a series of movies that came out. And it comes it from prob- a, probably a the first, Probably the first religion ever to be founded by movies. Yeah, I'd say so. Which is, uh, which is just fascinating. Anyway, um, it's, it's also interesting to look at, you know, some of the... Because you have the 21 maxims and the 16 teachings of Jedism and to sort of work your way through some of those and look at some of the things that I see personally as quite contradictory. You know, if they're against the death penalty, for instance, but when I watch the... Uh, or if anybody who does watch the Jedi movies, there's plenty of violence in them. Um, so, you know, it's sort of like, hmm, okay. Um, but... I guess one of the... I have two big issues. Yes. Two very big and significant issues, and the first one relates to morality, and that is that morality, according to Jedism, varies by culture, by religion, and by time, and therefore there are no such thing as moral absolutes. I see. Now, I have a problem with that because there are some things that you know, and particularly being a Christian, there are things that I believe are moral absolutes and that are timeless. Yeah. Uh, for instance, I believe that you know the child sex trade is evil, and I believe that is a moral absolute that is timeless, and it does not matter what culture, what religion, or what time period in history you live. That is never going to be a moral thing to do. No. On the other hand, Jedi morality is based around the principle of do no harm. And so if you're going to be consistent with that, then there are going to be moral absolutes that cut across all cultures, all religions, and all times because they always do harm. Now, I actually agree with that particular uh, morality. 
And I ascribe to it because that's the morality that the Bible teaches. Everything that the Bible teaches as being a moral requirement, a moral issue, is based around the principle of do no harm. Yeah, and from what I'm gathering of what you're saying, the problem that you're having is that while they've got this, this, this belief, they don't strictly follow it. Yeah, it's a bit of a double standard. Yeah. And of course, by stating that you can have uh, different moralities over different cultures, religions, and times, then you can change that. There's no problem with having a double standard. It really is a rubber nose. You can point any direction you want. Um, and so that kind of, you know, it becomes. A, and and, and Jedi, Jedi's will, will uh, Jedi Knights will, will freely state that their religion is a philosophy. Um, and a, a religion that is a philosophy is a religion that you can, you know, you can never disprove it because it's just a philosophy. One philosophy. thing that I don't understand is that if, if my knowledge of, of the, uh, the Jedi sort of culture from the, the films is correct, you have to have the quote-unquote force to yes. have that. And the force is something that uh, it's it's... But it, it realistically and, and practically, it's impossible to have. Well, the force... Okay, as so as well as also be able to wield a lightsaber, which has yet to be invented. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. There's all that. And, you know, Jedi don't take the movies too seriously. They've, they've um, you know, they, they've taken their inspiration, their basic tenets and their brand from the Jedi, from the Star Wars movies, but I they see. don't take the movies too seriously. My big problem with, uh, with Jedism, my biggest problem with Jedism is the concept that, oh, the concept of being true to yourself. Um, and it, it, it worries me when I hear Christians who promote this idea of being true to yourself. I think this is one of the most dangerous religious tenets in existence because the Bible says that the human heart is desperately wicked and evil above all things. If you're going to be true to yourself, you're going to be true to humanity and humanity is weak and humanity is broken and humanity is depraved. Indeed. And we don't want to be true to ourselves. We want to be true to Jesus Christ. And the only way we can be true to Jesus Christ is by dying to self and living for Jesus Christ. This is Vintage Season with Bucket. Sometimes I feel like an empty bucket in the sand. Seems I'm no use for anyone no more I've tried to carry some heavy things lately That push me, that bent me, want me out completely That's when I know 
You're listening to Vintage Season by Bouquet here on... That was Faith. Bucket by Vintage Season. Okay. The song was Bucket and okay. it's by Vintage Whatever. Season. It's Bouquet. <laughs> it's Haven't you ever seen that? No, you're too like, I have you're seen You're too it. young. Oh, it's you, you have. It's Bouquet. You know it's Bouquet. <laughs> it's All spelled right. Bucket, but it's pronounced Bouquet. All right, yes, I've seen that. Uh, another clue for our quiz. <laughs> clue number three this morning. This book expresses the sorrow of its author after the fall of the great city of Jerusalem. So which book expresses the sorrow of its author after the fall of the great city of Jerusalem? Lyle has got it finally this morning, which means that our double prize is no longer up for grabs. However, our main prize is still up for grabs. So if you know what the answer is, you can give us a call at 1-800-324-843 or you can send us a text at 0491-064. Six six nine, and we will be. If you are the first person with the correct answer, we will be sending you a copy of the Incredible Power of Prayer by Roger Mornow. Last Thursday, a story broke here in uh, the news section that we were going to talk about, uh, but decided to not talk about it until today. And that is about the discovery that has been was made some time ago, but has been being researched of a creature called the crazy beast that supposedly lived lived 66 million years ago. Allegedly. Joining us on the phone this morning to discuss the crazy beast and other issues in relationship to dinosaurs and mammals is our very own Dr. John Ashton. Dr. John Ashton, welcome to the show. Oh, hi, Laura. Good to be here. It's uh, great to have you on the show again. And we have this crazy beast, which is a mammal that has been discovered in uh, Madagascar. And uh, one of the things that they have pointed out in this particular article is that it's a rather large mammal to be existing alongside dinosaurs. Why is it that the scientists and the researchers would be surprised to find a large mammal beside dinosaurs? Well, I think there's this um, this idea as we look at the... uh, uh, geological column and the um, evolution of um, the evolutionary plan, of course, we have mammals occurring quite a bit after dinosaurs. So the fact that they discovered one uh, in fossil material at the state at the same time as uh, dinosaurs has attracted this media attention. But (laughs) in actual fact, there's... um, uh, a large number of mammal species actually existed at the same time as the dinosaurs. Matter of fact, if we look at the literature, paleontologists have found more than 430 mammal species in the same fossil layers as the dinosaurs that showed that uh, they coexisted at the same time as the dinosaurs. Matter of fact, a couple of years ago when I was in Hawaii, at the uh, museum there in Honolulu, the uh, the state museum there, they actually had a dinosaur display. Uh, well, they had a fossil display, and they had uh, there was a big emphasis on dinosaurs. And they actually had a fossil there of a, a mammal that had eaten a dinosaur. So it had eaten a small dinosaur, and the uh, dinosaur was still in its stomach. Uh, in the process of being digested. 
So one of the one of the issues is that uh, I guess this information is kept largely from the well, I don't know whether it's deliberately kept, but um, it's it's certainly not made available to the public. And, and many scientists as they study in these areas are, are just not uh, aware of it. Uh, matter matter of fact, a few years ago, it was uh, probably more than 10 years ago, maybe 15, well, I, I think it was actually around about 2009, 2009, that a uh, University of Missouri educated biologist uh, who was also a physician, he went on to become a physician, but uh, his name was Dr. Carl Werner, and he, um, he and his wife, who was also a science graduate, Debbie, what they did was they actually went round to museums and they photographed the fossil uh, specimens that were in uh, museums. Um, and the idea was to compare these fossils with um, species that are living today. And they actually published the, the work as uh, they called it Living Fossils, Evolution, the Grand Experiment. And the reason was that in the same layers that we find the dinosaurs, uh, we find just about all, well, all the different types major phyla of species that live today, we find fossils in the same layer that we find in the dinosaurs. And um, this goes for birds, uh, which were supposed to evolve after dinosaurs, plants, all these sort of things. We find fossils with the dinosaurs of the same species that are alive today, the major fire, all the major fire. Now, one of the significant things that he also reported on was that in none of the dinosaur displays did he find uh, mammals, fossils of the mammals being displayed as living at the same time. In none of the display, he visited 60 museums around the world and in none of those museums did the museums display mammals as coexisting with the dinosaurs. And yet, in actual fact, over 430 mammal species are now known, well, more now with the discoverer of the crazy beast, um, uh, coexisted with the with the dinosaurs. And uh, as I said, it was only two years ago when I saw the this uh, fossil remain of a mammal that had actually eaten a dinosaur. So uh, th this is just this uh, you know, whole idea, I guess, that is trying to uh, prop up the whole idea that we have this evolutionary chain, you know, from dinosaurs to birds to mammals and so forth, whereas in actual fact we have overwhelming evidence that they coexisted, which fits exactly the biblical model, you know. Sure, yeah. absolutely. So... Uh to, to my conspiracy theorist mind, when I look at the discovery of the crazy beast right here, back in 1999, and we're just only hearing about it now, you know, it, it seems to me, you know, is is that the typical amount of time that it would take from a discovery to the pub publish publishing of the uh, results of that, or have they been keeping this under wraps a little bit because they're a little bit embarrassed about it? Oh well, look, I mean, we can't we can't really judge motives. Yeah, I guess these. not. <laughs> But I guess, uh, I think when, when I read the article, I think one of the things was that, um, 
they were probably a little bit confused about it and it was only uh, later probably, I think, from reading the article that they discovered more phones and were able to get a more complete understanding and absolutely confirm that it was a mammal because th this is the major problem. Finding mammals with dinosaurs is a major problem for them. But I think, you know, as I read about this too and, and thinking about dinosaurs, um, you know, just last year, had the privilege to go to some uh, science conferences in um, in Europe. Now they were to do with my uh, work in um, uh, the university research area. But the um, while I was there, it was interesting. A number of statues that portrayed uh, knights killing dragons, and I was in Prague Castle, and there, right in the middle of Prague Castle, is a large bronze statue of a knight killing a dragon, dragon type creature. Uh, I'm not sure if it was uh, St George, as I read, looked at the park, it didn't mention that it was St George, but this, um, and when we, uh, and I know talking to people over in Europe around the, the different cultures here, the, the major cultures in Europe have stories of heroes killing giant lizard type, you know, dinosaur type. Uh, creatures now, uh, you know they they may not necessarily be dinosaurs. They may have been giant uh, lizards that are also found in the uh, fossils with the with the dinosaurs. So I think you know when when you, when you put it all together, um, it, it certainly fits the the biblical picture of uh, of an extinction. I think the the other interesting thing just recently too that's been in the news lol is that. Um, I saw a report that was published um, just uh, the other week that 25% uh, of the insect population in the world has now become extinct. And what they're saying is, you know, this is a major environmental collapse. And what the science was saying was that at our present time, we're observing a major extinction event. And this is, of course, is caused by man-made action. And I think, you know, it's much the same. I think the, the last of the dinosaurs would have been quickly killed out by me, by humans after the um, after the after the flood. Yeah, and it, it's um, it's not a hard thing to imagine because humans typically, when they find a creature that is a threat, they will often, you know, hunt that creature to extinction. We've got, you know, many examples of animals that are seen to be a threat, and where, you know, uh, for instance, you and I both lived in Tasmania for an extended period of time, and the Tasmanian tiger down there was seen to be a threat. And so, what did humans do? They hunted it to extinction. It would not be hard for to imagine, you know, dinosaurs being seen as being a threat and therefore being hunted to extinction. Mm, yes, definitely, and they're probably not as mobile and uh, as as capable of surviving as, say, a tiger or a lion. <laughs> these sort of animals. Sure. Okay, so getting back to uh, very quickly the. Um, you were mentioning there's no display of mammals as coexisting with dinosaurs in museums. Um, we've got these articles coming out now. It seems that as the evidence increases for mammals and dinosaurs coexisting, that at some point, at some point, are we going to be forced to include this into textbooks and forced to include it into museums, or is it just something that's going to continue to be a major problem? 
Um, well, I, I think it is important for people to uh, be aware that um, they did uh, you know, coexist. It's up to the museum people. And as I said two years ago, I did see that um, exhibit in uh, the museum in Hawaii. And I think as, you know, more uh, museum uh, managers, curators... Uh, recognise this, they'll, they'll put those, um, you know, d- 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 displays out. I think the other the other thing that uh, comes out too with a lot of these fossils that we find is that when we find often the fossils of the dinosaurs, sometimes we find articulated skeletons, that is, they're all joined together. But a lot of the time we find them, uh, the bones are all mixed up. They're just, you know, scattered bones, bits of bones here and there. And I think that was one of the cases with the crazy beast too. And well, some work that was done by an Adventist paleontologist, Lena Brand, using some very highly sophisticated um, equipment that was uh, GPS tracking equipment now with our more accurate GPS and satellite information that we can tap into. It was actually able to map not only the horizontal location of the bones but vertical location of the bones. And one of the things that he was able to uh, show was that these bones are, are sorted as if they've been moved by water. In other words, the, the larger, heavier bones were found deeper down in the sediment and um, and then the lighter, smaller bones were found um, in, in layers just slightly above these. So there was powerful evidence of sorting of the bones that we would expect due to, you know, large water flows. And this, again, fits uh, the biblical model that, you know, what wiped out a lot of these creatures was a massive flood because, you know, a few, well, you know, five or six years ago we had, you know, massive floods in Queensland where, you know, an area of Queensland the size of New South Wales was covered with water but didn't actually fossilise goannas and, you know, possums and, you know, all these sort of things, kangaroos. Um, you, so you need a massive catastrophic event to bury things very rapidly under a lot of sediment. Um, and this is, the, this is the case with the with the situation where they find the fossils of the dinosaurs. They found what, largely found in what's called the Cretaceous, and that's where these limestone you know, cliffs are found and so forth around uh, Australia. And it's interesting that in these exact uh, situation too, we find the megafauna, you know, these very, very large animals. So we have a lot of evidence really that these fossils are really not that old. They were buried rapidly and there were a lot of creatures coexist. As I said, all the major fossils, that is all the major all the, all the different types of animals that we find living in the world today, we have found fossils of those animals in the same layers that we find the dinosaurs. That's the bottom line. Birds, mammals, flowers. Dr. John Ashton, thank you so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. We're going to move on, and this is uh, Fernanda Ortega with The Creation Song. You're listening to Faith FM. Himself in light as with a garment, he spreads out the heavens and walks on the wings of the wind. 
sends forth the springs from the valleys. They flow between mountains. The birds of the air dwell by the waters, lifting their voices in song, singing glory, glory. to Faith FM, positively different radio. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. 
Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Sometimes it causes me to tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they nailed him to a tree? Were you there when they nailed him to a tree? Sometimes I feel like shouting glory. Were you there when they nailed him to a tree? Were you there when they laid him in a tomb? I feel like shit.